Um, but we are on it. We're on like a mini giving. This is the second of two weeks that we're going to do on giving. And I'm trying to c- cover a broad spectrum, just in general, um, talking about giving with, uh, you know, people who have and people, uh, people who have not. We talked about the desire for money and Paul talked to our Timothy talked to us and te- taught us about when we have a love for money that is unhealthy, it leads to us being caught in a snare that we can't see, which leads to other unhealthy desires, which leads to destruction and leads to brokenness in our life. And we talked about what it looks like to find freedom in that and the importance of finding freedom in that and how we find freedom in that. And this week, we're going to talk about, okay, what about um, at the very end of the chapter, Paul talks about folks that have money, okay? He talks about people that are rich, people that are wealthy. And I know, like, I know that some of you are thinking, like, yeah, well, that didn't pertain to me, right? Like, I'm not rich. I got credit card debt. I got all kinds of something, something going on, and student loans, and I don't make a lot of money. Well, that's a lie from the enemy, because God wants to bring you freedom in this area, okay? Because we know in this, this room alone, we know there are people wealthier than you and there are people who don't have as much money as you, right? And so that makes you rich. That makes you, you're a have, okay? You have money. And I'm not gonna give you statistics like how we compare to the world, but it's like 2%. We're the richest 2% of the world, okay? I'm not gonna give you statistics though, it's not about guilt, not about shame, but it's crazy. And I made that up. I just made that up because it's like way up there, something like that, all right? Um, but this is a hard topic. This is a hard topic for a lot of reasons. You know, some of us, you know, giving is a journey, and we don't like reach a destination and go, yes, I give enough, I'm great, this is good. Just like we don't reach a place in our life where we're totally healed. Until, until we're with Jesus, we won't be totally healed. And so it's like a journey that we go on. God leads us. He speaks to us. He encourages us. We come forward and he brings freedom to us. And we're like, man, this is amazing. And we grow in life. And then what happens? We, you know, we go through the cycle and we're like, man, God wants to bring more healing to us. Well, giving's the same way. Okay. If you think, if you think that you give enough money, then you're not getting it. Okay. Because there's always more. There's always more. And that's not to say you need to give more. I'm just saying that healing, that giving is a journey. That giving is a journey. And so if you stop and say, I give, I give, you know, I give enough, then that journey stops, right? That journey, you don't, you don't keep looking and asking and praying for God to lead you deeper into your giving, okay? And so this is a journey. One of the other reasons that we struggle with this is that there's fear, you know, well, what if I do give and, and, and if God doesn't show up? Can I, we talked about last week, can I even trust God because of our wounds and our brokenness? You know, I don't even trust God to provide for me. So why would I give in a way that he needs to show up in my life? And so what happens is um, we end up kind of isolated. We end up feeling these things. Am I giving him enough? Am I not giving enough? Can I trust God? I don't want people to know how much I make. All these things. And so we isolate, we make these decisions by ourselves. we don't tell people these things, and we remain in the dark, okay? And, and where there's dark, there cannot be light. And so when you remain in the dark, you make decisions in the dark, you prevent us as a family, your brothers and sisters moving towards you, loving you, caring for you, speaking into this area of your life. If you're going through marriage troubles, what would you do? You tell people, 
Why? Because you want their input. You need their support, their encouragement. In every area of our life, we need to bring these things into the light so that God can move and bring healing and transformation. And that is what giving is about, opportunity for you to receive healing in this area, to grow in your trust in this area, to learn to love and trust God more in this area of your life. You know, last week we said this. We said this. We said that love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But what we said is that that it doesn't say that money is evil. It says love of money is evil. And Paul taught us what that means. Because what we know is that in every economic bracket, God says we are going to reach everyone in the world. And so in every economic bracket, we need believers reaching those folks. Okay? We know God. We want a God that the world sees and they see an abundant God, a God that blesses his children, a God that overwhelms us with wealth, a God that, 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 that is so rich and so generous that the world sees that and they're like, oh my goodness, look at this God that they worship, how generous he is. But the way they see that and the way they experience that truly is by us being generous givers. Of us giving out generously of what he has generously given us. And as a family, again, I know this is difficult for those reasons I've said, but um, I want to tell you that we, as a church staff, as a group of elders, as the ministry leadership team, and we're getting ready to bring on, we have some folks that are coming on a finance team, we, we are called and we take very seriously the money that is given. We really do. We, uh, we have a budget. We stick to a budget. We have to go under our budget sometimes, but then we get creative with ministry. And we have folks, we have people that are professional CPAs come in, look at our books, make sure that they're legit, make sure that we're doing everything right. And we have staff. We have Alan who's come on board that meets with staff. He looks at their budget, looks at what they're spending their money on, making sure it's in line with the values of our church, the goals that they've set. Because the leadership of the church is accountable to what is given, just like we as a family are accountable to what we give. And again, like, folks, you're trusting us with your heart. You're trusting us with what is most important. You're trusting this church and the eternal significance of your life. It's not a lot. It's, it, it should be easier, I should say. It should be easier to trust God and River City Church with your money. But I know it's hard. I do. It's hard for me. I know it's hard for you. I want to begin with saying all that because the enemy wants to make you feel guilty or shameful, wants to make this about you not giving enough, da 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 And that's not what it's about. Those are lies. That's not what it's about. Um, and, I, again, I'm speaking to folks, all of us, in one sense, um, that are rich, that have wealth compared to others, Okay. But I'm especially speaking to folks that have a lot of wealth, that are very rich, that God has blessed with a lot of resources. Because um, one of the things that I feel like we communicate as a church and that wealthy people feel is they're kind of second class, that the gift that God has given them isn't as powerful as supernatural healing, isn't as powerful as evangelism, isn't as powerful as maybe people with the prophetic gifts or whatever. And they struggle and they feel like, man, like, what, what, how, is this even valuable? 
But I would say this, it's equally as valuable of every other gift that's given, okay? Whenever you pray for, and it's even more value in some ways, okay? Whenever you pray for healing, the Spirit comes to you, the Spirit empowers you, you lay your hand on somebody, you pray for them to be healed. We know that there's something happening in the supernatural, but how does it manifest? It manifests in someone being healed. It manifests physically so that we can see it. So that it testifies to God's glory, right? Right. When we evangelize people, what happens? We go to someone, we share the gospel, we talk to them, we share our life with them, all for the purpose. Okay, so there's supernatural stuff going on there, right? All for the purpose. For that's a manifest in something we see now here on earth that testifies to God the Father, There is a physical representation of the power of the Spirit moving in someone's life. Okay, so when our gifted givers, whenever God pours out great wealth on folks in our folks and our folks in our church, and they give to the church, they are empowered by the Spirit in the same way. And they are led by the Spirit in the same way that healers, that prophetic, that all these other gifts that people are. And there's something happening in the supernatural that we don't see. But we see their gift manifest in physical ways. Scripture says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. Okay? We don't fight against flesh and blood. We pray that we, that we fight with spiritual, with the Bible, with, with, with uh, commitment, with worship, all of these things, because we fight the heavenly forces right? We fight what we don't see. Well, givers do the same thing. They, give the, they do exactly the same thing. And when they are giving, when you are giving, the manifestation of that are church buildings. The manifestation of that are children's workers, our church staff. The manifestation of that are the chairs you're sitting in. The manifestation of that are the musical instruments we see being played so you can worship. The manifestation of that is that people go on missions. We see people going on missions. We see these things and we should react the same way as we do when we see someone being healed. Look at how God is moving in our church. Look at the generosity that exists in our church. Look at all that God has given us. What a beautiful picture of God's kingdom. It is kingdom work to be a giver. It is powerful to be a giver. And if you are somebody that is generous. You're somebody that God has blessed with resources. And we have folks like this in our church that are extremely generous. I just want to say, I want to begin by saying that is a good thing. And bless you and thank you that you are gifted, you are powerful, and you are bringing the kingdom of God equally to everyone else who is gifted in other ways. Ephesians No, no, no. Timothy is where we are. We're talking about Timothy, okay? And one of the things that Timothy talks about today as we look at these three verses is he says that when we give generously, when we give of our lives, of ourselves generously to God, and we do good things for God, and we're going to talk about what that means, he says that we get life, that we grab a hold of life, true life. And isn't that what we're about at River City Church? That we are about experiencing an overwhelming life that God has for us. And one of the things that Timothy teaches us is that when you give and how you give and who you give to allows that to happen, encourages that to happen. The spirit moves through that. It stores up treasures for you in heaven, but also blessings for you here. And we're going to look at that 
right now. This is 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Holy Spirit, just come, open our hearts, our eyes, our minds to the truth that we would find life, the life that you have for us. Amen. Okay, this first verse, 17. I'm just going to bump through each verse, okay? And we're just going to, we're going to roll with it today. I'm going to make some points along the way and then end with something um, that I think will, again, encourage us. Okay, so it says, verse 17, as for those who are rich in terms of this present age, charge them not to be high-minded, nor to have their hopes, their hope set on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Okay, the first thing he says, this present age. One of the things Timothy is saying is he says, this present age, because this present age will pass, that this is temporary, that there's something greater, something bigger, something more important. And so this present age, he's saying like, yeah, you need to pay attention in this present age and how you live in this present age impacts how you will live in the next age for eternity with Jesus. Okay, and then he says, don't be haughty, proud, or think you're superior. Don't be prideful. You have what you have because God has given it to you. Every penny that you have is a blessing, is a gift, because we have a God that is gracious. And I know how we think. In America, especially in the Western culture, we think, well, wait a minute, Antley. I've worked hard for this. I've worked hard for this, and it's my money, and I'm a steward of it. But I have worked hard for this. Or, I mean, I have gone to college. I've spent eight years. I have student debt. I've, I mean, I have worked for this. Or I haven't received this inheritance. It's been passed down through the generations. And this is a blessing, and this is mine. And look at all this happened to me. But everything that you've done, your mind, that it functions correctly so that you can go to college is a blessing, the opportunity that you have to even live in this time period and not have been born a thousand years ago in Tibet is a blessing, right? I know, I know. Toilets that flush, I mean, lots of, you know, fast food, lots of things that we are generously given by God. God holds everything together. And when you read scripture, it says every molecule, every, everything, every blessing, everything is held together by the Father, everything. Everything that you have, everything that you have, your mind, your health, your everything, your children, your wife, everything that is good in your life, everything is held to God, is a gift from God. And so don't be prideful. Don't feel like you're superior. We're equally created in God's image, given different amounts for different reasons, different giftings by the Holy Spirit as God desires when he desires to, for his glory. We always say that about the other gifts, right? Well, God pours out the gifts. He gives them to who he wants, when he wants, and how he wants for his glory, moving forward to the kingdom. Same is true with giving. God gives resources and money to who he wants, when he wants, how he wants, 
for his glory. For his glory. Okay? And so because it's a gift, we should receive it as a gift. Not look down on people if we have wealth. Not look down or feel like we're better than people. Or say, well, they don't work hard, so they don't deserve this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Even your desire to work hard is a gift. The family that you grew up in that taught you that is a gift. Okay, so the next thing, it says, um, don't have an unhealthy, this is what we said last week, don't, ha- don't have an unhealthy desire for riches because you'll fall into the enemy's trap. But those who have wealth can also fall into his trap by putting, what Timothy says, by putting your trust in your wealth, by putting your trust in, in your wealth, by finding hope in your wealth because these riches on this earth are uncertain. They're, it's in a present age. We don't know what's going to happen. In two, 2008, two, no, 2000, 2008, yeah, 2004, yeah, 2008, when all that financial stuff happened, right? And everyone's like, rolling, you know, and like big money and things are happening. And then what happened? It crashed. And there were hundreds of churches that shut their doors as a result of it. And businesses that went down. And people that committed suicide, they had lost things. Because they had put their hope, they put their hope in their finances, which there is uncertainty. There is, there is uncertainty. And then he goes on to say, and, and why would you do that when God is rich and he is certain? I mean, he's not going anywhere. He has everything. He's a loving father. He wants to pour out his riches on you. He wants to give you what you need and provide for you. I mean, it's like betting on Mayweather over McGregor last night. Everyone knew McGregor was going to get, you know, he was going to get beat, and he lasted nine rounds. But I think it's because Mayweather let him, you know. Who watched that fight? Raise your hand real quick. It was like one in the morning, right? I watched it. People, goodness gracious, sports fans. They say it was the greatest fight in history. Mayweather, they said, was going to come away with $300 million. $300 million. Million dollars. Whew. And then he's going to lose a bunch of it to the IRS. Right? Because he's been cheating them. Okay. But God is good. He richly provides for us. And it says, with everything for our enjoyment. And this is the picture here. Okay. So God gives us not only what we need, but, but our Father is so good, He's so abundant, He gives us not only what we need, He gives us more than we need for our joy, so that we can enjoy it, so that we can be blessed by it, so that we can find joy in the riches of His physical blessings in our life. Not only spiritual, but His physical, the physical things that He blesses us with. And the enemy wants to rob us of this because it distorts our image and our understanding of the Father and how he loves us and that he's abundant. And so when we experience fun things and big things and good things, we feel guilty. And we feel like, man, I don't know if I should be doing this. When God has blessed us, he's a loving Father, right? And so have you ever said, I mean, I've done this. Like I'll sit down at, I gotta be careful how vulnerable I am here. Okay, so I sit down at a restaurant, like I said last week, and drop, you know, some money, and it's really nice. I'm with Laura or my family or whatever, and there's a twinge in me that feels a little guilty, right? And that's the enemy kind of poking at my heart, saying, Antley, you don't sacrifice enough. Antley, you are just, you're using 
the, the, the salary that the church is giving you to, for, for, for bad things. For, you aren't giving enough. You're not probably saving enough. You're not doing what God wants you to do with your money. And that's the reason you can afford this meal. And what does that do? It takes away God being a provider, a good father, an abundant giver. Now, obviously, this is dangerous, right? Because you can, like, start rolling in, like, jets and, you know, and these. I don't want to be careful what I say here, right? Because some of you might, and that might be where God called you. But this could be never-ending, right? You could just justify and justify and justify and justify. That's why we're a family. That's why we're a community. And one of the ways that you can kind of check yourself if you have kind of an unlimited or a great supply is, is to really ask people to hold you in check, to allowing necessities in life to remain necessities and luxuries to remain luxuries, but luxuries not to become necessities, right? Luxuries not to become necessities because when that happens, it's no longer God blessing you. It's you taking advantage of God's blessing. Does that make sense? See what I'm saying? And that, that's hard. This is one of the reasons that, that Jesus says, man, it is hard for a wealthy person it's hard for a wealthy person to experience the kingdom of God because these are hard decisions. There are things with this that are un, unusual, that are unique, okay? And so what are we supposed to do with the money? That's not what we're supposed to do. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live if we have money, okay? He says this. Timothy says this. It's very profound. He says, do good. Do good with your money. You are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So let's talk about what is good. Okay, good things are God things. Good things are things that God gives you money for that extends his kingdom, that builds his kingdom, that brings people freedom, that brings healing to people, okay? Now, there's a lot of things that are good, but they're not God things, right? And I don't, I'm not going to say specifics about this, but what Scripture says is that everything that you give and that you do that doesn't build and bring the kingdom of God is going to burn up. It's going to burn up. You will not take it with you. It will not be a part of the treasure that you're storing up in heaven. And so the question that you need to ask as you are asked to give is this building the kingdom of God? Is this glorifying God? Is this aimed in the direction of God's values of what his kingdom looks like? Now, obviously, that, that includes, hopefully, River City Church and your church. It can include missionaries, but it also can include things as the Lord leads you, like hospitals that bring life, right? It can also mean orphanages that care for. It can also mean nursing homes where the elderly are taken care of. And so it's not just necessarily these kinds of Christian-only ministries, right? Rethreaded is a good example of this, okay? So we give to Rethreaded because they bring life to women who are in prostitution, and, and they're, being, they're breaking out of that, which is the value of God. That is a value of God. And what's cool about Rethreaded is that it's funded by non-Christian things, but they're funding a Christian value, and they don't even know it. Or they might know it, but they don't care because it is good. It is a God thing. 
and people are giving to it. And one of the things that it talks about as well in this scripture is that you have to do good. And doing good is a choice. Doing is a choice. Salvation has been done for you, but if you want to receive freedom, you want to receive life, you want to receive healing, you have to engage. You have to do good, right? And so, again, when you experience freedom in your life, it's because Jesus has brought the opportunity, the Holy Spirit has moved in you, but then you have to move in that freedom, it's like we're in prison, we're enslaved by addiction, by money, by a relationship or whatever, and we're feeling oppressed, we're feeling overwhelmed, and Jesus comes, it's like we're in a prison, and he comes, and what does he do? He opens the door, he says, Antley, I've done everything that's necessary for you to have freedom, and he opens that door of oppression, and he says, Antley, there's freedom for you, but Antley, you need to get out. You need to do this. You need to get out of this cage that I freed you from and pursue the healing I have for you. If you want to find freedom in your giving, Jesus has done everything that is necessary. He is the most generous. He gave his life. He has opened that door. But in order for you to find freedom and life in your giving, in order for you to be able to be generous in your giving, you have to believe this is true and you have to walk out of the door. You have to walk out of that prison if you're going to experience life and what we're talking about. So Timothy's saying, do good, do this. This is what good is and you need to make a choice and you need to do it. And if you don't, you'll remain in the prison. You'll remain in the prison and you'll... Well, I'm going to go there, whatever. Okay. And then it says, be rich, not stingy, and using your money for good. Just think of the Scrooge. I'm not going to go farther than that, right? Don't be stingy, folks. God is generous. You're supposed to reflect God to the world. Don't be stingy. You know when you're being stingy. Don't do that. Be gracious. Think of the Scrooge, Okay. And then it says, be generous and ready to share. I love this. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities. It says, be ready and alert. I don't know where this came from. Eyes open for holy pray. Not like pray, but pray like talents. You know, like I'm coming to get you with my wealth. I'm ready to give you with my wealth. I have wealth. I have been blessed. I've been given to, and I'm coming for you. I'm looking for you. I'm seeking you. I'm praying that God will lead me to you so that I can be generous with you, so that you will find life and freedom and glorify God. I will be healed and transformed as his child. And so we're looking for folks. We're going after them. I love that, okay, right? And the world sees that, and they're like, what the what? Look at that person. I mean, it can, uh, I mean, there's a million ways you can do that, but you're praying for it. You're aggressive. Come on, baby. I'm going for you. I'm coming after you. That's what you're doing. Okay. And when you do this, you store up treasure um, and grab hold of true life. You store up treasure for yourself and a good foundation for the future so you're blessed for the future so that you may take hold of what is true life. You experience true true life here, but you build up and store up treasure in heaven Okay, and there's a lot of different commentaries and beliefs about treasure in heaven. Okay, because we know there's no envy, we know there's no sin, we know there's no want, like looking at a person. No, no, no. They talk about God gives you a greater capacity, maybe, 
or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of things. And so we're equal, but the capacity that we have, we've stored up as a result of our faithfulness in different areas of our life. And there's five different crowns, and there's all this stuff. I want to get into that. But there, this is the word of God. We don't know what that looks like, but we know it's true, okay? And that's not to motivate us. That's Jesus saying, this is my character, or God saying, this is my character. This is who I am. I'm abundant. I'm abundant here now, and it's going to be abundant in heaven for you. Haggai 1, 2, and 6 says this. Haggai. I'm pretty sure I've never quoted from Haggai in all of my ministry in 26 years. Never. This is a great verse. I've never seen it. I had to check to even be sure it's like in multiple Bibles, right? This is Haggai 1, 2 to 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, and he said, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, which I guess paneled houses were like swanky back then or whatever that means, while this house, God's house, remains in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider how you're spending time. Consider how you're spending your money. You have sown much and have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Oh, snap, you read that. Right? Haggai, there's a reason we don't quote him, right? This is chapter 1, verse 2. <laughs> Holy moly. But this is what I think, what, what we're communicating is the temple had been destroyed, and, and it's God's holy place. It's his dwelling place, and, and it's a place where God, where they worship God. It was a priority, obviously, to God. And people were choosing to live and to build up their homes. And in the New Testament, we are his house. He lives within us. His church is his family. We are his house, and we take this and we say, when you try to build up your kingdom at the expense of his, you will come up thirsty, you will come up hungry, you will come up poor, you will come up not having enough. That's the principle that Haggai's teaching right there. And so if you have a lot, and you go to bed at night, and you are feeling without in your life, and it can be in any area, It could be because you are looking to find hope, to find life, and storing up and building up your kingdom. This uh, morning when we were worshiping uh, and Melissa came forward, um, she had that picture of a lamb, right? And uh, And she said that Jesus is a shepherd that he always goes after the lost lamb. He always comes for the one that is astray, that runs away. And when I started praying about that, I I mean, when she said that, immediately I saw a lamb that was stranded and away, but was hidden in really tall grass. And the Lord said, that's what the wealthy feel like. I have brought them into abundance, so much abundance to bless them. I have filled them with so much 
and they feel isolated. They feel alone, and they wonder so many things. Am I giving enough? They burden a wealth and wonder, do people really like me, or do people really love me, or do they just like what I have? Are they nice to me so that what I can give? They receive phone call after phone call, meetings after meetings, where they know that that person is meeting with them to get some of what God has given them, what they have been charged to resource and to use. And it is difficult if we are wealthy. It is very difficult if we are wealthy. Wealthy people, like I said, are isolated and often alone. And we as a church, we as a church, I think, don't value them. And we have isolated them. And I don't know how, but this is just what I feel like. And I've talked to folks like this that are wealthy. And they come to me and they ask me, Antley, am I, I really worry about the wealth I have. I don't know. I don't know if I'm giving enough. I don't know these things. I don't know. And they're concerned and they're overwhelmed and they're burdened. And we look at them or they or you, me, we look at them and we go, oh, really? Really? You're burdened? You're worried? You have anxiety? You're stressed? And what does that do? It pushes them out of the flock. It pushes them out of the flock. We need to be thankful. We need to be praying for. We need to be lifting up. We need to be valuing. We need to be loving the wealthy, embracing the wealthy, including the wealthy, not judging the wealthy, not condemning them for what they have. We don't know why the Spirit has given them this gift, how he has when he has, for the purpose he has, but we know that he has because that's what scripture tells us. Giving is a demonstration of God's goodness, abundance to us and through us. Doing good works that build his kingdom bring us freedom now and treasure and blessings in heaven. God does not love you more if you give more. God does not love you less if you give less. God loves you. God loves you. I'm leading this Bible study, and I give out these assignments. And whenever the assignments, like, I give extra work to them if they want to do it, okay? And, um, but I tell them, it's like, if you don't, God doesn't love you anymore, But if you spend more time with him, you will experience more of his love. God will not love you any more or less based on how much you give. But the more you trust him, the more you put your hope in him, the more you step out and give to him, the more you will experience his love. That's what happens when we find freedom, is we're experiencing more of the Father's love, more of his blessing, more of his life. Man, that's what I want. I want life to the full. I don't want to settle for how much I give. I want God to be leading me. I want God to be blessing me. I want abundance so I can give it away and so that I can bless my family 
and so that I can bless you guys, and I can bless the poor. That's the attitude we should have. And I struggle with it, and we all struggle with it. But that's why we have Jesus. That's why we have the Spirit, is to bring us healing and freedom and to meet us in our brokenness, to meet us in that struggle, to love us, to change and transform our hearts, that we would be gracious, generous givers who are giving good things to build the Father's kingdom. And the world would see that abundance in us and through us and would be drawn to him to glorify him. Let's stand.